Hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm so happy that you're here with us today. Earth Day, very special presentation for you guys for today, for Earth Day, and of course for everybody watching this as it will be recorded and available long-term on YouTube. And perhaps you're you're out celebrating Earth Day, so you're watching this later in, in so many cases, but welcome. I'm so glad you're watching, whether it's live or recorded. I'm Peter Goldstein, founder of We Did It, and our mission is to inspire hopeful curiosity for people who are not yet plant-based because our vision is for a healthy, happy, well-fed vegan world. So thank you and welcome. Please join us on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're on podcasts also. And visit us on our website. We have our community is launching soon with all kinds of, of training and and uh, programs and events, and, and you'll love it. So let's together find better ways to inspire the world and to inspire especially our friends and loved ones who, who have been pushing away from us. Let's get them curious so that they too can live this lifestyle that benefits their health, benefits animal justice, benefits world the climate healing as well as feeding the world. So with that, I am so thrilled to have with me today Jimmy Vitali, and uh, he has uh, began a grower. He's uh, he's uh, 25 years in farming, and he has he's telling me that current they have just published standards for veganic growth. So they have an amazing organization and have leadership on this very, very important movement because we need to grow healthy and vegan and we need to look at the health of the soil. And there are some really great ways to, to farm, to garden. And, and that's what his mission is. So welcome, Jimmy. And I will bring you on screen now. There you are. Hello, Jimmy. Hello, everyone, and hello, Peter. How are you? Oh, I'm doing magnificent and getting better all the time. And yourself, I love your energy, so I know you're doing really well, and, and, and I love how you're changing the world for everybody. So thank you for all that. Well, thank you very much for having me, and really I wanted to say thank you to We Did It for inviting me on this very special day it's like you said it's earth day 2023 but remember everybody when you're listening to this earth day is not just today earth day is absolutely every day so we need to do everything that we can to protect this wonderful planet that we all collectively live on beautiful so so with that i know you have an amazing presentation so uh I would love for you to get right into it. And everybody, I want to invite you to post your questions. Afterwards, we'll, we'll get to answering your questions. And we'd love to have some conversation, feedback. And uh, certainly, this is such an important thing. And, and, and it applies as we change from animal agriculture to, to plant-based agriculture and making sure that we're all eating healthy and nutritious and, and organic. So, uh, Jimmy, if you're ready, um, and if you have anything else you'd like to add before your presentation, um, uh, feel free. And and there's your there's the presentation. It's ready for you to go. Excellent, Peter. Thank you. Now let's just let's just jump on into it. So let's give it a shot. So what if we could heal our sacred lands so that all floral and human beings on which we share our collective planet can thrive? What if we could end animal agriculture forever in our gardening and farming systems? What if it was not a question of if, but when? How about I, how about I tell you that the when is happening now? We know that eating a whole foods plant-based diet is one of the most important things we can do every single day. The solution though, is not just to eat plant-based, but to grow our fruits, vegetables, herbs, nuts, and grains with a 100% veganic methods. 
So what is Veganics? This is what we're all about. This is what we're here to talk about today. Veganic growing, homesteading, and farming is the cultivation of food and fiber crops with a minimal amount of exploitation to all animal and plant species. Veganic methods use no animal products or byproducts, such as blood meal, bone meal, manure, urea, fish meal, fish emulsion, or any other animal-originated matter. Because the production of these products either harms animals specifically or is connected with the exploitation and subsequent suffering of those beings. Furthermore, while organic cultivation allows for the use of organopesticides and organic fungicides, and conventional cultivation uses all manner of chemical fertilizers, pesticides, and herbicides, veganics would not, as applying and spraying these toxins highly disrupts the native floral and faunal balance of the growing systems that we're so desperately trying to create. So in fact, veganic growing is the only way to ensure that we are breaking the chain of animal agriculture and our gardening and farming systems, all of which reveals our main philosophy, which is cultivating for the benefit of all beings. Our farm, my wife, Melanie Bernier and I, La Ferme de Lobe, or also called Farm of the First Light, is a living example of these methods. Established in 2014 is all about what is possible growing veganically and productively for all beings. This model is a micro farm homestead cultivating on less than one half of an acre. We focus on soil regeneration. It's one of our main purposes here, increasing soil organic matter and soil organic carbon through the use of plant-based compost, green manures or cover crops like clover, buckwheat and oats. We cover the soil in winter by allowing all garden plants and wild flora to freeze and rest in the beds. Other compost materials like chip branch wood, dry straw, hay, both green and dry, and dry leaves are all, are all utilized. All beds are permanent and are minimally disturbed. No tractors are used solely, but rarely a small rototiller. We also focus on the diversity of plantings. We cultivate over 400 different varieties of fruits, vegetables, herbs, flowers, shrubs, and trees that have been already, that have been established or annually planted, which invites a biodiverse faunal realm of insects, birds, reptiles, amphibians, and mammals. See, it really is all about soil organic matter in our terrestrial system. For this equates specifically to carbon sequestration in the living soils. There are three major ecosystems that sequester carbon. Oceans and other large bodies of water like lakes and bays. Forests like the Amazon rainforest the Canada's boreal forests or the forests of the Rocky Mountains through the United States and Canada. In the and grasslands where the vast majority of farming systems are located. In the carbon farming solution by Eric Toensmeyer, he stated that for every 1% increase in soil organic matter, the soil can sequester an additional 8.5 tons per acre of carbon from the atmosphere. In 2016, here in Boileau, Quebec at La Ferme de Lobe, a soil test of our soil organic matter revealed five that our soil organic matter percentage was 5.2%. And that equated to sequestering 44.2 tons per acre of carbon. In 2022, using the methods I have already described, our soil organic matter increased to 7.2%. And this increased the amount of carbon sequestered to 61.2 tons per acre. A 38.5% increase in carbon sequestered in just six years using entirely regenerative plant-based methods. 
So how do we accomplish this? Well, as stated earlier, through the use of regenerative plant-based ingredient composts like straw, hay, grass clippings, chip branchwood, and kitchen scraps, through the use, the consistent use of green manures of cover crops, of buckwheat, oats, and annual clover, allowing much of garden plant residues and native flora to decompose directly on the beds after harvest at the end of the season, rewilding in the gardens when nature deems it is appropriate. See, it's not always about that we're just growing food for ourselves. It's the fact sometimes that, the na that nature, that the natural flora, that the wild free-living flora wants to push up. And as farmers, it is our responsibility to let it. Diversity, diversity, diversity. In the floral realm, in our growing systems of cultivated flora like the Charlevoix heirloom pea on the, on the left, if you're looking at it, maybe on the right, <laughs> and wild native flora like milkweed. This all leads to biodiversity for the faunal and insect realms like the gray tree frog and swallowtail butterflies. La Ferme de Lobe is blessed to be situated in a forest edge and former glacial valley surrounded by a mixed coniferous forest. We have allowed much of our lands to rewild in our nine years as guardians. Over 1,000 trees have self-planted by seed or root expansion. La Ferme de Lobe is a model of the way forward. We're a highly, highly efficient farming system. Our production averages over 5,500 pounds or approximately 2,500 kilograms on less than one half acre, of which 80% of the land is for human consumption, us and for sale, and 20% is for all beings to share. We felt that this was so productive that I initiated a study for the Humane Political Party comparing vegan agriculture to conventional and organic agricultural practices and found that Veganics was 3% more productive and 41% more productive, respectively, acre per acre. Further, when comparing plant-based agriculture to animal, bank, animal agriculture was found to be over 4,000% more productive acre per acre. And I linked publications, the Humane Herald, we actually put together uh, seven reports, uh, me and the team there at the Humane Political Party, that if you click on that link, it'll take you right to it. We provided nourishment for 35 to 40 families of seasonal produce for 15 weeks and us with a year-round supply. And we eliminated a, a, a food desert in our region, all with a mere 1% waste of production harvest. A food desert can be defined in the urban areas as somebody not being able to find healthy foods within one half mile. In the rural areas where we live, it's actually uh, 10 kilometers or six miles away that if you cannot find a fresh source of food, you actually are considered to be in a food desert. So by us being centrally located in our small town, having our farm kiosk, people being able to come to us, we eliminated that food desert. They were able to get, at least for that 15 weeks out of the year, fresh produce. We're also an artisanal organic seed company specializing in open pollinated and heirloom varieties. We're one of the only organic seed companies in the world, being that our philosophy is to grow the plants up to flower and then to seed. It was very important that we did save those seeds so that we could continue the cycle. growing over 350 varieties of fruits, vegetables, herbs, and flowers for human consumption, from artichokes to zucchini, but of course, tomatoes. We're particularly fond of tomatoes. We grow over 50 different kinds of tomatoes here. Also chamomile, chives, strawberries, blueberries, hascap berries. Anybody who doesn't know hascap berries are kind of a elongated blueberry kind of tart but very very tasty they grow very well here but more important than production yield accomplishments 
is that this farming and gardening model proves that our human species can produce food with the absolute least exploitation possible. Growing for all so all earth creatures can thrive. In 2018, we initiated a bumblebee point count in which 80 individuals were observed. We did this because we wanted to obtain a better understanding of the wild living floral and faunal beings that inhabited here. We just don't know unless we have the data. So being that I am of science mind, I, I felt it was very important that we, I collected this data. In 2022, we counted bumblebees again, and that number grew to 182, a 228% increase. The biodiversity study resulted in, and I have to say that all indicators pointed to increases in all taxa in 2022, like the bumblebees, and actually, it has become such an important mission here at La Ferme de Lobe that I've actually reinstated a further biodiversity study in 2023 so that I actually will be able to compare not only bumblebees, but birds and reptiles and amphibians and mammals and everything that possibly lives here. Because this is extremely important to know if our farming systems is actually doing what we proclaim it to do, which is cultivating for all beings, right? So 120 bird species were found on that two, 2018 biodiversity study, including the threatened species of Canada warbler and bobolink, with 50 bird, breeding bird species on site, including the threatened eastern whippoorwill and wood thrush. 11 species of reptiles and amphibians bred here, including the threatened snapping turtle. 20 species of mammals, including the threatened eastern wolf, and three species of bats, which are just becoming more and more threatened due to our practices of spraying insecticides uh, for, for mosquitoes, as well as in our agricultural fields. Over 100 species, different species of trees, shrubs, flowering plants, and grasses, plus 150 species of spiders, butterflies, bees, beetles, and other insects but both of the last two categories, I have to say that the data was limited by my lack of scientific knowledge. I'm pretty good at being a naturalist, but I don't know everything that lives here. I'm learning, I'm learning more and more every day. So I'm hoping to be more concise in the 2023 biodiversity study. 25 endangered monarchs were counted on August 25th, 2022 the highest number ever recorded on the farm. Incidentally, in 2018, only six were recorded. This proves to us that our cultivated diversity and rewilding is improving the ecosystem for the residents and migrants that pass through here. Specifically for the monarchs, we made a concerted effort to let rewild vast milkweed patches, which is the monarch's necessary plant for their survival. It really all started as a seed or a seedling, an idea, a vision as what to what is possible. Growing our own food is never easy as it is mother nature who ultimately dictates our yearly outcomes. So we thought about what was possible. And then when we put it all into practice, it didn't go easy or even all that well the first couple of years but with diligence and patience and listening to what the earth mother has to say, we are able now to plant better, to plant wiser, to, to cultivate for the benefit of all the beings here, to increase the production that we want for human beings. And by doing that, it actually lets us rewild even more, which is what we're doing this year. We're actually cutting back the amount of planting space for human beings so that we could actually rewild even more. Because as it goes further along, yes, it is important that we create veganic farming practices and those vegetables and fruits and, veg and herbs for human beings, but it is almost more important that we create more space for the wild free living creatures that live among all of our regions.
And this can happen anywhere in the world. This isn't just here. Now, even though I have certain plants that grow here, obviously this is not the same plants that are gonna be growing in say the continent of Africa or the continent of South America or in, in the tropics. But every region has their plants that want to rewild. Every region has their animals that want to come back. And by rewilding, as each region shows us to do, then we can bring it all back, region by region, country by country, continent by continent. During this remarkable journey, what we had envisioned has grown into this amazing reality. So really, it's not a difficult concept. The, the solution is really, really quite simple. For growing our own food, building regenerative soils, sequestering carbon, sequestering, excuse me, sequestering carbon, and diversifying our systems so all beings share in the bounty and thrive. Small-scale, diversified, regional, veganic gardening and farming. So let's say you're new to all this. You say, oh, how can I do that? I've never had a garden before. I've never done this before. Well, we have answers for you. I have answers for you. These, this is the way that you can look at it. So how do you start a veganic garden, homestead, urban, or rural small farm? Interestingly, as if we actually follow all these same steps every year, even though I've been growing my own food for 25 years, we all start the same. It all starts at the soil level. It all starts with the seeds. It all starts with the plants. It all grows up from there. So we all start from the very beginning. And at the end of every year, we become more experts than we were before. It's a continuous learning curve. And especially now in these just incredible movements of climate during this in just insane level of climate change that is upon us. We're seeing fluctuations in temperatures, 20, 30 degrees Celsius from one day to the next that we've never seen before. We're seeing vast wind events and ice storms and, and rains. And yes, they've happened in the past, but now they're becoming more prevalent. You can almost, what you can almost anticipate every year is there's gonna be some extreme event that's gonna be coming. Whereas maybe in the past, maybe 20, 30 years ago, maybe it was only going to be once every five years or maybe six years that some extreme event was going to happen. But now it seems like it is almost a given that you're going to get one every year. And it might even be one every season, like this past year has shown us here. So how, how, so how do you start your own veganic garden? Let's get back to that. So these eight steps will guide you on the path. Site selection and allocated space, preferably done as soon as possible. Here, the snow just moved, uh, just completely um, melted. So now we have a good understanding and we see exactly what's going on. We see where the water has collected. We see how the water runs off. Um, if you live in drier regions, you see where, if it's windy, where the wind blows more, where it's a little bit more sheltered. These all, these all come into the understanding of where you want to put your gardening site. You also want to know how much space that you have available to you. The best consideration is to not start too big. Start with just a small space. Even if it's only a four foot by eight foot garden bed, you can grow a lot in that space. I'm going to get to some more resources on how you can actually learn to plant that space here in just a few slides. But consider, as you're planting your gardens, consider how the land slopes. Does it slope down to the south? This is actually preferable because as the earth turns around the sun, the sun will, will heat up that southern, that southern slope faster than it will, say, a northern slope or a western slope. If it's a little bit eastern, it's okay, too. If it's flat, it's okay, too. But if it's, if it's sloping to the north, just know that it's going to stay colder right? Because as the sun goes, it needs to, the earth needs to tilt enough so the sun is higher in the sky so that it actually goes on that north slope. Consider the drainage also, like I had just mentioned before, how does the rain run off? You can also think about how that is going to 
line up your beds or do you want to do do you want to terrace your landscape so the water will collect or do you want to run it with the slope so the water will actually run downhill and catch in what are called green strips fruit vegetable herb and flower crop planning number two write down what you personally like to eat how often do you like to eat salads we love our salads we love we love everything to do with with greens at this time of year it's something that we've been missing having fresh greens so we love to grow those salads those mustard greens arugula bok choy things like this so if this is if this is what you like well plan that into your plan but how about other things like radishes and beans do you like green beans do you like to eat those every week Consider also planting perennial herbs and flowers as well as the annual plants. And these would be things that come back every year, things like chives, like chamomile that I had mentioned before, but even other medicinal herbs like lemon balm, which makes a wonderful tea or is really good for soup as a replacement for citra, uh, citronella, citronella, lemongrass, not citronella. That's what people like to spray on themselves to, to let the mosquitoes go away. Um, but lemongrass, it makes a great substitute in your soups for lemongrass. There's also things like garlic chives. What about that? Or oregano and mint. Mint makes a wonderful, refreshing beverage in the early spring, as well as rhubarb. Cutting pieces of rhubarb and putting in your water, you're getting all those wonderful phytonutrients from the rhubarb plant, and it's going right into, right into your vascular system. Your vascular system like a plant, digestive system. However, the water goes through the circulatory system, all the systems, it goes all the systems, wherever the, the water penetrates all throughout our bodies since we're 70% water, right? Think about also when you're, when you're planting, planting flowers that will bloom all year long. So sometimes there are flowers that actually do bloom all year long. There are some that flower early in the spring, things like comfrey or again, chives. Then there's some that come out in the summer like bergamot. Um, or uh, agastache, uh, Korean mint is another one, or in the late period of time, like milkweed for the monarch butterflies or echinacea. By having a diversity of flowering plants all throughout the season, then the bees and the butterflies and the moths can have something to eat all the time, as well as all the rest of the insects that live there. Your garden planting and calendar and maps. This is number three. We do this every year. We start from scratch every year. Once you have your ideas for planting, plot them on the map of your personal garden space. It is for sure you're going to have planned more than you actually have space for, but that's okay. You can either plant something when it's finished. You can go ahead and plant something else or it gives you the opportunity to understand that you really do, do need more space to grow what it is that you want to eat. Set up a calendar based on planting dates. Here we do it, we set up our calendar so that every Monday morning we know exactly what we're planting. If we're seeding in the greenhouse, if we're transplanting little baby uh, seedlings into bigger pots, if we're seeding outside or transplanting outside, everything falls on a Monday. When we open up the calendar, it shows on Monday, this is what we have to do. Set up your planning calendar just like you would any other calendar to organize your life. Then you know. It doesn't have to be Monday. It could be whatever day works for you. If you work all week and it's Saturday, we'll put it on your Saturday or your Sunday morning. But by being organized, it actually will allow you to become a better gardener from year to year. On that note, also create what is called an activity or an observation log. So as you're going through the seasons of your garden, you actually jot down, write down what it is that you see, what it is that you experience in your fields, what animals are there, what birds are there, what insects are there, what flowers are blooming at what time, what did well, what didn't, what was the weather and the temperature like. All of these things will make you a better grower from year to year. Because if it's your first one, it is for sure it's gonna be difficult. The first year is always difficult. To be honest, after 25 years, every year is difficult because we never know what to expect. There's always gonna be some losses. But be diligent, be patient with the hard work. It will all come. It is work. It isn't that it isn't work, but 
it's a different level of work, having your hands in the soil, having your hands in the uh, <laughs> working with mother nature. There's truly something special about that. Procuring seeds. Number four, where do you find your seeds? Seek out regional seed suppliers online and veganic seeds like us at La Ferme de Lobe. And actually, until tomorrow, we have free delivery in Canada um, and in the U.S. for all of our seeds. So if you want to order, our website is in French, so you will have to translate it yourself. But if you would like to order some seeds, it is there, lafermdelobe.com go to Samantha, our seed selection, and you can order your seeds for things that I'm talking about. It's not too late. Seeds starting inside with veganic soils or purchasing seedlings. Now, the great thing is, is that veganic potting mixes can actually be readily found at most local nurseries. In my book, which I'm going to be talking about here in just a little bit, the Veganic Grower's Handbook, Cultivating Fruits, Vegetables, and Herbs from Urban Backyard to Rural Farmyard, I actually give a potting mix recipe, a veganic potting mix recipe that if you follow line by line with everything that you can procure from your nursery, with the exception of organic soybean meal, which you can find online uh, throughout the United States. Canada is getting a little bit more difficult, but write me if you have that question and I can, I can find you a replacement. I outline exactly what that potting mix is and you can find all of this at your local nursery. It is a more technical process to start your seeds inside. Now it's still time for up here in the north to be able to do so. We won't even plant our tomatoes until uh, until the first until the first week of May. So if you are like us, you still have a, you still have some time to figure out your system. But this can greatly enhance the amount of diversity that you have. And in my book also, I have a lot of information about starting your seeds. It is, it is difficult. It is technical. But don't fear if for whatever reason you get, don't get there. You can go ahead and find seedlings pretty much anywhere at your local farmer's market, even at your local nursery, if you want to do that way. Plus, there are hundreds of varieties of plants that you can grow simply by putting the seeds in your garden soil. If you do want to grow your seedlings, the key considerations, and these are very important to be done without fail, give your little seedlings 10 to 12 hours of light, heat at 20 to 25 Celsius or 68 to uh, 77 degrees Fahrenheit while the seedlings are growing. This will ensure success. Preparing the garden farm area, number six. Once the ground opens up from the winter time, once the, some of the plants break their dormancy, and you'll know this because the wild flora will start becoming green, start pushing up out of the ground, then it's time to mark out and prepare your garden beds from your allocated space with the idea of creating, this is very important, permanent low or no-till beds. And by permanent, I mean, once you established the place that you're going to plant, it should always be the same every year. You shouldn't change it. There should be a dedicated place where you would walk and a dedicated place where you plant. That way you are never walking in that beautiful soil that you took all this time in creating. Hopefully that makes sense. Number seven, securing compost, compost materials, and make your own compost. For making your own compost, follow a layering principle using a one-to-one or two-to-one green-to-brown method for success. Again, in my book, I, I outline this quite in detail, but it's a very simple process. Hello, everybody. Uh, it looks like Jimmy's uh, broadcast froze for now. Hopefully, he will come back. There he, he is. And what this is going to do, this is going to be like the activator for your compost. This is going to bring in all those microorganisms that live in your region, and they're going to infuse into your compost, right? 
So you put that on and then you continue the process. Brown layer, green layer, dirt, or soil, brown layer, green layer, soil. Once you create a nice pile, maybe three foot high, maybe two foot high, maybe four feet wide, depending on what kind of space you have, if you have a gar if you have an outside backyard, then you want to create kind of a volcano. You want to make a, a hole in the middle of the compost and you want to pour water into the middle of the compost. And then you want to cover it with a used piece of plastic that you have around for about a month. If you do it in this way, it is going to start composting upon yourself. After four weeks, you might already, depending on the, the temperature outside, you might already have compost. It's pretty neat. You may have to turn it one time after that four weeks, kind of putting the top onto the bottom. But if you do it in this way, you will get usable compost. I've, been, I, I've spent a lot of time trying to understand it. My, my travels from around the world, I've seen many different uh, philosophies and models and bins and, and, um, and, 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 and chambers that people were using. And what I found is just a pile on the ground itself covered to protect all that carbon from releasing actually traps everything in there, helps it decompose. Within a couple of months, you should have compost. It's a very, very cool process. If you don't have time to make it for yourself, you can go ahead and call landscape companies in your region or your nursery, and they might actually have some of the compost materials for you. Like I was talking about green, green hay, dried straw, chip branch wood. So follow the calendar and get planting. Become self-reliant. This is one of the greatest things that we can do for ourselves, for our own food security, for our own independence. Plant a garden, plant it veganically, observe, learn, document your journey and you will become a better grover and you're going to give yourself your own personal food security and your own personal sustainability. So how do we envision a 100% plant-based agriculture future? Foremost, there is an absolute need to end all animal agriculture in North America around the world. Science is proving that animal agriculture is responsible for increased greenhouse gas emissions in the atmosphere through CO2, methane, and NO2, desertification of lands, manure toxification of lands and waterways, species extinction through land use change, and deforestation of growing feed crops. In 2021, there was over $32 million in agriculture subsidies, $24 billion in the U.S., $8 billion in Canada, that was given to the animal agriculture sector. 67% of that was given to the animal agricultural sector. This is all paid, oops, excuse me, this is all paid for by us. Instead, we could reallocate those funds to plant-based agriculture and rewilding pro projects. Some amazing groups are already working on this, like Nation Rising and the incredible Plant-Based Treaty, as well as the Animal Protection Party and the Humane Political Party. But in addition, we need to make our agriculture industry more efficient. In 2011, the FAO of the United Nations produced, produced a report on global food losses. They found that in North America, 52% of yearly fruits and vegetables were wasted. And 44% of that whole was attributed directly to the farmer in harvest and post-harvest handling. So as farmers, we have a responsibility to become better at what we do. To put this into context, so for every two pounds of tomatoes, strawberries, bush beans, or cucumbers that were produced, just a little over one pound actually made it to market. The other pound rotted in storage, rotted when harvesting, or was bruised to the point of not being able to make it to market. From the USDA, household food insecurity in the U.S. from 2019 was at 10.5%. From the report household food insecurity in Canada in 2021, 16% of all Canadian households or one out of six had some level of food insecurity. Now food insecurity can be defined as inadequate or insecure access to food due to financial constraints. 
from having an inadequate meal once during the day or in extreme cases, going a whole day without food. United States, one out of every 10 households. Canada, one out of every six households. So if we ask, can Veganics be scalable? Can Veganics feed North America? I say we might as well try because our current agriculture system is failing us dramatically. Most likely it is due to farm size. Canada has the largest average farm size in the world at 820 acres, which equates inevitably to more waste. In the US, we're number two. I'm a US and a Canadian citizen, so I say we, we. In the US, we're number two at an average farm size of 444 acres. The smaller the farm size, the more efficient and adaptable they can be. This has been proven around the world. All we have to do is think about it differently. 100% plant-based agriculture system would be biodiverse ecological ecosystems with increased diversity of flora and fauna, non-toxic to lands and watercourses, could create more jobs, feed more people as small farms yield more income and production per hectare per acre and require more skilled farmers, which again, would feed more people. Because of higher production rates per acre, marginal farmlands could return to what they wish they were, wild. And this is the best way to regenerate lands. Would be healthier for all who share our collective planet. So what, well, let's say you want to learn more. This wasn't enough for you. You want to go out and get some more research. You want to do some more research for yourself. My book, The Veganic Grower's Handbook, Cultivating Fruits, Vegetables, Herbs, from ba Urban Backyard to Rural Farmyard, is the first of its kind step-by-step -step handbook for veganic growers, in, specifically in North America. However, it is a good tool for anyone around the world because there are many chapters that are just universal, like making compost, like preparing your garden beds, like making your garden calendar, like um, dealing with plants, plant disease issues by understanding insects pressures and how to attract pollinating insects. I discuss all aspects of cultivation from garden preparation to seeding, maintenance, dealing with insect and disease pressures, harvesting, and more. Furthermore, I discuss in great detail the growing of over 70 different crops, all with the small gardener, homesteader, and farmer in mind. In January of 2023, my team and I launched NAVCS, the North American Veganic Certification Standard or Certified Veganic, can be found at certifiedveganic.org, where we certify farmers in North America. This is a grassroots community building initiative linking all veganic farms under one banner, acting as a not-for-profit entity, all remaining monies at the end of the year will be granted to new veganic farm projects, infrastructure, rewilding, or biodiversity projects. But there is so much more knowledge moving in the veganic agriculture movement. Jimmy Videlli, Veganic Grower, is a monthly question and answer discussion program entitled The Veganic Growers Hour, where we discuss all aspects of the gardening and farming season as it is occurring. All past and present episodes available for free, as always, as YouTube will be there. And actually, the next show will be this coming Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on April 27th. Publications, the Humane Herald. From 2017 to 2019, I worked as a volunteer researcher with the economic transition team of the Humane Party, where our mission was to envision a 100% transition to plant-based agricultural systems. We created nine in-depth reports showing exactly how it could be possible, analyzing many areas like income, manure toxicity, comparisons per acre, and feed conversion ratios of of animals raised for their food, for their meat, for their eggs, for their milk. The Veganic Agriculture Network, goveganic.net, is a movement in North America established 
in here in Quebec by Stéphane Grolo and Megan Kelly to promote the production of fruits, vegetables, legumes, and cereals without the use of artificial substances nor the use of animal products. They promote sustainable, low-impact, plant-based farming and gardening. The online veganic gardening course, Learn Veganic, which just started, but you can still join for the next six weeks, is taught also by the same two amazing people, Stefan Grolo and Megan Kelly, showing how to grow your own garden using sustainable veganic techniques. The, veganic, the Vegan Organic Network in the UK is an educational charity since 1996 and the only UK organization solely working for food grown in the veganic way. They have a bi-yearly magazine called Growing Green International, highlighting tools and techniques from the around the world, which I have also been a contributor to since 2016. So the models exist. The resources are out there. It is simply time to change to a compassionate form of farming and gardening for all Earth's beings. Empower yourself. Create food security for you and your family by growing your own. Tap into the indigenous knowledge that is intrinsic in us all. And with that, my favorite part of these shows, questions, discussions. I love questions. So if anybody's out there, let's go. Well, that was an amazing presentation. Thank you so very much to learn here. Uh, we do have one question, uh, or we have several questions, but uh, the one on screen is, uh, do you have links handy for the Veganic certification? Yeah, so if you go to slide, I believe it was, getting back to slide 35, it should have a link directly, but if it doesn't, it's certified veganic dot org and you should be able to get right to it well then um so tell everybody again please how we can get a hold of your slides or if yeah, so, other than watching yeah, so watching the replay here yeah, yeah there you go so this presentation this presentation you should have uh the slides but if you would like it specifically uh oh you're welcome Beota farm if you would like it specifically, you can always write me at veganicgrower at gmail.com and I can uh, actually send you the presentation. That'd be fine. That way then you can scroll through it as you would like. Veganicgrower at gmail.com. I'm going to put that in the chat here, hoping Perfect. to spell it right. Um, and here it is. Did I spell that right? I think I did. Grower at gmail.com. Yeah, it can be all lowercase though. It's, it's yes. Okay, yeah. Yes, yep. lowercase Perfect. works also. Perfect. Well, excellent. Uh, we had a question from Rita. Uh, Rita's wondering uh, what grow zone rating where you are. I'm, I'm sorry, say that again? What What is the grow zone rating where you are? Oh, my grow zone rating. We are actually a 4A, uh, which is quite cold, which would mean that our winter temperatures get down to almost minus 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, every, And that's what the grow zone rating actually comes down to. So if you're planting your perennials, Rita, look that to where you are and you'll be fine. So it'd be great if you would tell us where you are and I can help you even better. Beautiful. Um, let's see, we're, we're getting some other questions. Uh, Anne is saying, I'm starting some bulbs in my basement, which has some light. We installed two grow lights. Should we leave them on 24 hours a day? Hello, Anne, and I actually know you. Thanks for thanks for joining. Uh, no, actually, you don't, Anne. Uh, think of it like the way daylight is working right now, and it actually don't even need that much. But if you gave them just 12 hours, just during the daylight hours, say from 6 to 6 or 7 to 7, it would be more than sufficient. They can they can go to sleep at night and go in the dark. It's it's fine, just like us. Everybody, everyone wants to have a have a have a nap 
Everybody, I like that. We, yes, nap is great. <laughs> well, and then we have Christine says, when you set to cover the compost with plastic, should it be a clear plastic uh, or have a blue plastic tarp? What, what kind of plastic are you referring to? Okay, so if you're using, uh, what I'm usually referring to is basically like construction or recycled, uh, basically clear plastic. And the reason why I like clear is because the sun will filter in underneath the plastic into the compost and it will actually let actually some things grow. So if you use a, a dark or an opaque tarp, I mean, you can use it. It's fine because it's what you have. But if you use an opaque, then you're not get, nothing's going to grow underneath. And I don't know if anybody out there has created compost, but what's truly fascinating about making a compost pile, especially if you're using your kitchen garden scraps, all of a sudden you'll start seeing like these winter squash growing and these tomatoes growing and you can actually let them grow and it's actually quite fun. So yes, yeah, so if you have a blue tarp, you can use that. What the covering does though I already said what the clear plastic does, but what a covering will do, it will actually trap all the moisture and the carbon in the pile. So that is the main goal of covering because when it rains or when it dries out, all the when it rains, all the nutrient filters away and erodes just like it would in our garden beds. And if it's too dry, all the carbon dissipates into the atmosphere. So all that good carbon that you're trying to create to hold into your compost that you then want to feed to your plants when you use that compost is actually all disappearing. And this is why we want, and this is a very interesting point. This is why we have such a problem. It was actually a, uh, an agronome from Michigan State who actually mentioned this and it, and it clicked quite a bit. The problem that we have in the United States is not so much that the animals themselves are, are emitting methane from their digestive processes, but what's worse is that the manure that they're depositing, especially when they're coming from animal convention, concentrated animal agriculture centers, you have those huge piles of manure and it's just emitting all that methane into the atmosphere, all that NO2 and nitrous oxide into the atmosphere, and there's nothing stopping it. Um, theoretically, you could have that, the, the, the belching and, the, and coming out the back end of the cow being circulated within, like let's say you had an animal sanctuary, that could all circulate within the grasses. But all that manure that is piled up in like these places where there's nothing else growing it's just going into the atmosphere almost as bad as it is if we're talking about burning fossil fuels so what he said which made a lot of sense is that because there's no good management for this and there never can be because there's just way too many animals being raised all this manure is going to emit all that all that carbon dioxide equivalents up into the atmosphere and this is going to give us trouble for a very long time. Anyway, that's why you cover your compost box. <laughs> Beautiful, thank you. So back to Rita, she says uh, she's at 6,300 feet elevation, pretty, okay. pretty well up there. And uh, uh, temperatures stay below freezing for three to four months. Okay. So where I was in northern Arizona, where I had my first farm, was about 5,600 feet. We were considered to be in the Colorado Plateau. So we were on sort of the downslope of the Colorado Rockies in Arizona, really close to the Four Corners region. Um, and yeah, it was the same for us. The temperatures stay below freezing. What you really need to know, though, Rita, is how cold it gets in that below freezing. Now, the great thing is, is that the USDA has what's called a plant hardiness zone map, as does the Farmer's Almanac. And in my book, Rita, I actually talk about this. And, and I give you links in that book to exactly where you need to go to know your zone. So if you go to plant hardiness zones, USDA, 
or go to the old farmer's almanac and actually put in your zip code or your town or maybe the closest biggest city to your town, they will tell you what your zone is. So my guess is you're probably a zone five, which basically everything that I grow here as a perennial, so chives and asparagus and rhubarb and blueberries and blackberries and raspberries and grapes, all of those you can grow also. So hopefully that makes sense. Uh, these questions keep coming in. Um, here we have Tammy, when you say add soil to your compost, what type of soil do you add? Would it be topsoil that you obtain through a nursery? Uh, no. So think about where it is that you're going to have your garden. And let's say you have a space already cleared uh, that you took out maybe the, the, the grasses that were there, or you maybe have some wild flora, wild, some people call them weeds, but wild flora that's there. Just use that soil. Use some of that because that particular soil component, and we're not talking very much, we're just talking a dusting. Because soil is not just dirt, it's not that it's not alive. Soil is actually made up of wild living microorganisms. What you want in your compost is you want those microorganisms to start working with helping to break down that compost. Then when you put that compost into your garden space, your gardening soil will already know, your garden soil, the place where you are regionally, will already know how to interact with that soil. Because what we've learned about microorganisms is they constantly change. There's microorganisms that live in the winter and the spring and the summer and the fall. So if you take, let's say you're making your compost now and, you're, and you take those microorganisms in the form of that soil and you're putting sprinkling it on your compost and then two months you're using that soil, well, it's basically the same microorganisms that are working. So when you put it into your garden, all those microorganisms will gonna be understanding how to work with each other and there'll be no competing. Everybody will just be living in harmony. <laughs> oh, beautiful, I think everybody's appreciating your conversation, your presentation, your answers. Rita says, thanks, Jimmy. And uh, we all, yeah, we're all so grateful for your presentation. Uh, I think Angela was had a question that we missed somehow, and I still don't see it, Angela. I'm sorry about that. Uh, if you can type it, we still have a couple minutes. We'd be happy to, to address it. Um, vegan. Okay, so yeah, so Angela would like to know if there's an English translation to your website. Um, unfortunately not, but what you can do is through Google Translate, you can actually take the link for La Ferme de Lobe and you can put it into the, the Google website translation page and you can get all the information off there in English. But if you always want, I love answering questions, so you can always write me and ask me what anything means. Or even better, you can learn a second or third or fourth or fifth language and learn French, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, great suggestion. What an amazing presentation. And, and I, I so love what you're saying. I love that we can get back the insects and, and nurture them, those, those beautiful, and and reclaim the land and, and return it to, to the way Mother Nature would like it to be. And uh, what what a better message to end with on Earth Day, that Mother Earth can have have all this land back and we can we can really benefit from all that she provides for us. Um, uh, okay, yes, here's, here's a comment. Um, Duolingo is great to learn a new language. Well, thank you for that. Um, yeah, and Biota Farm, I just saw one of your comments that you are actually a six-year, two-acre veganic farmer in Quebec. So um, growing garlic and black garlic, cool. Uh, you should write me. You should write me and we should get connected. We have one of my other founding members is from... Uh, 
also from Southern Quebec. His name's James McQuaig. And uh, yeah, we should get we should get to talking. It sounds great. Beautiful. So she's she, uh, Biota Farm says that they already sent you an email. So perfect. Excellent. You're you're doing such amazing work, Jimmy. And thank you so much for all you do. And thank you so very much for for being here with us. Um, and and I look forward to next time. I I know that this is such a hot topic. Everybody to to reclaim the land. Anything from from the farms that support us with food to to the individual gardens that that more and more people are growing all the time. It's it's all so wonderful and and amazing. And thank you. I look forward to to seeing so much more from you, Jimmy. And and uh, happy that you could join us. So. With that, everybody, thank you so very, very much for being here. Uh, please, uh, please check us out on on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel, and we have uh, we have podcasts now, also a podcast channel, and join our groups on Facebook. Uh, we we want to bring everybody all all the support that we can to help inspire friends and loved ones to help us thrive, to be healthier and to take better care of the earth because I know that's that's so important to all of us. We're such passionate people and we want to see a much better world for ourselves and our children and grandchildren and humanity. So everybody, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Thank you and thanks, Jimmy. Bye-bye. Thank you, bye-bye. Namaste, vegan.